What's up, everyone? Welcome to the huddle. The chillest huddle that's out there. Hope everyone's brought some gloves and is getting comfy as we will start discussing all things QJPEGs in a moment. Nothing said in the huddle is financial or any kind of advice and is for entertainment purposes only. And now, let's go! GM, GM, everyone. I think the, the room is still filling up thanks to Twitter still rugging. Welcome to the ninth episode of The Huddle. And today with our very special guest, Mudit Gupta. And Mudit is a crypto and DeFi OG. And um, among other things, war, was one of the core developers and advisors for SushiSwap. And last week, um, Mudit became the Chief Information Security Officer of Polygon, a layer two solution on the Ethereum network. And um, yeah, so Mudit, first and foremost, congrats to this uh, huge achievement. And then my obvious question, do you think it helped that you had like a cute patchy penguin profile picture? Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for the introduction. And uh... Really happy to be here. I'm just walking back home, so you might hear some traffic for uh, ten next ten minutes or so. Uh, other than that, yeah, the PG Penguin definitely was one of the main reasons I got into Polygon probably. Time for the Pachi Penguin community. Oh my goodness! Y you know, um, I think you when when did you join? When did you join the huddle? Oh, probably been a few months. Uh, like. Pudgy was quite new when I got my first Pudgy. Uh, then put it as my as my profile pic like a month later. Yeah, so, so did you did you join last year the huddle already or Yeah, sometime in the last year. Like I've had it for more than like six, seven months, I think. Pudgy was just launched uh, when I joined. I've never been like very deep oh. over the community to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got the NFT as an art. It just looks so cute. Uh, it looks so cute that you know everything else just doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah, it looks it looks very cute. I think that's the main utility, by the way, of the Pachi Penguin. <laughs> like looking cute. This is basically it, and that's as good as it gets. And yeah, you know, I'm so surprised because like there are quite a few DeFi wizards that are hugely into into Apache penguins. And I'm thinking there must be some kind of correlation between, I don't know, between this. Because, you know, even I think the, the CEO and founder of Arva, he, I think last year he bought like four Apache penguins. So I think we are onto something. Oh yeah, definitely. I've been shilling Apache penguins among my friends. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, these. And they are just so cute. Like, it, uh, everyone just likes. I haven't found a single person who has not liked uh, Pudgy Penguin. If you go about showing people BAYC or even crypto punks, you'll like half of the people will say this is shit. But I've never found a single person looking at a Pudgy Penguin and seeing it that it looks ugly or anything like that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I'm very biased because I love Pudgy Penguins <laughs> and I own four. So, you know, so I'm very, very biased. But I tried among my friends, I showed them different profile pictures. I don't say the other ones because I don't want to upset anybody. But it was always that people um, said, oh, that's the cutest. 
So in instantly, like um, not knowing maybe um, like what's the status of like any other things, they they went to the Pachi penguins. So I, I completely can confirm this uh, uh, your your experience. And uh, also, so what what I wanted to ask because now you have kind of a pixel Pachi penguin. Did I miss something? Oh yeah, this is just to celebrate the element finance decentralization bit. So. Uh, Element Finance launched uh, their token and they are doing this uh, LFI NFT thingy and uh, I just asked them to make me a custom LFI based on my Pudgy Penguin so I get the best of the both worlds. Oh, that's amazing. That's very, very cute. Yeah, and it looks it looks very stylish and very OG because it has kind of this retro uh, pixel look. So, um, yeah, lucky you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um there are a few things um, I, I would love to speak about. I don't actually know where to start. I think we were messaging each other because um, like last week, uh, I don't know, was it last week or this week? I'm losing time, uh, track of time and space. Um, the Everything Pachi was delisted from OpenSea, like the even the, the Pachi rocks, the Pachi, the little Pachis, the OG Pachis. And I, I would love to know, maybe maybe you have some insight. I would love to know if this is like open sea trolling the Pachi penguins or if this was related to, to the smart contract and the, the change of ownership uh, possibly. Yeah, from what I've heard, it was due to the change of ownership. Um, so as now everyone knows, Luca basically uh, bought the Pachi penguin rights or whatever. So uh, during that transfer, uh, it's basically an automated system, I suppose, in OpenSea. If the owner changes, it just delisted, delists everyone to avoid people getting scammed or not. Uh, but I think they are, all of those items are back on OpenSea now. Yeah, fortunately, fortunately. And I think, I mean, it happened twice. So it didn't look like really a coincidence or something. So yeah, this was this was already a sign. I mean, I thought basically it's correlated because you posted it, you know, the, the volume of the Pachi Penguins went up just before, it's like just when we announced our spaces together. Um, yeah, yeah I, would, I would love to take the credit for it, even though it's not it's not true. It's obviously people saw the signs that um, that Luca is taking over finally, but um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Luca is the small news. It's this hurdle that pumped the price. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's It's been so crazy. And uh, I mean, really kudos to you that you joined the huddle already last year because there was so much fat in between. Uh, I'm, I'm really surprised that actually we are still alive and came out uh, way stronger. I don't think like lots of communities would have survived this. So kudos to you that you're not only a crypto and DeFi OG, but also Apache OG. That's very cool. Yeah, like for me specifically, I'm here for the tutelage. The price doesn't really matter to me. So even if it goes to zero, I'll still have it. Yeah, I can, I can completely relate. I mean, this was really my soft spot last year. I um, Pachi Penguin was my first NFT and was just so cute. And I did kind of uh, like I, I paid for the cuteness and then I kept on buying. And um, yeah, so so I I um, I can completely relate. So and yeah, right. yeah. So so one thing I wanted to talk about because um, I mean so many things happened last week and the week before, and I think it was uh, kind of this week where this um, 
ähm, Ronin ist hier beim Sidechain, was hackt. Und ja, um, yeah, I, I would love to, to have your take on this crypto uh, trilemma and everything involved. Yeah, definitely. So Ronin was the biggest hack till now, uh, like 600 or 650 million dollars. And that basically happened because uh, they did not take security as seriously. The trilemma I've described in my uh, like post before. Whenever I'm entering a lift, so might lose connections for a couple of minutes, but I'll be back. Oh. So yeah, the dilemma I've defined it as basically the connection between uh, a protocol is willing to be, the uh, expense they are willing to do on uh, security and the usefulness of the product. So what Ronin did was they made the product very useful, but they did not spend enough on. Okay, I think we, we are losing you now, but but maybe I can I can. Uh, say something about the background. So for, for those uh, who may not know, the, the Ronin Ethereum sidechain was... was security for and the... Oxy. Oh, you, you're there. Okay, mooded. Okay, I think you're kind of in, in the lift. Anyways, yeah, so Ronin was specifically made uh, for Axi um, as a Ethereum sidechain just to, to scale. And um, there were actually a few things that... Um, That, that played into the hands of the attackers. Um, but I don't know, I would love to have, have it explained better um, by Moodit. But um, in any case, it was basically um, Axie took some shortcuts um, to, to overcome the Ethereum network congestion and um, they re reduced uh, the validators, among others. But I would, I would very much love to, um, to have Moodit on this because also I would love to ask him how far um, this is possible for Polygon. So I guess we have to wait now until he's back. Anyways, I'm seeing in the in the audience lots of cute party penguins like Fifi. Mm. Yeah, I think we still need to wait for Mooded. I think later, by the way. Ah, there he is. Very good. There he, there he popped up. I think now he... Yay, Fifi. Um, yeah, I think now we can't get Mooded up on stage. Like there's always something with Twitter. Yay, there you are. So Mooded I was just trying to explain, but obviously I'm not the, the DeFi wish, so I, I would love to have your take. I think basically Ronin took a few shortcuts. It was not only one shortcut, but a few shortcuts uh, just to, to help overcome the Ethereum network congestion. And like a few things played into the, the hands of the attacker. And I would... I would love to hear from you if you think, oh, this was rather like a seasoned attacker. This was easy. This could happen on Polygon too. Like, what's your take on the whole situation? Um, yeah, definitely. So it was a very seasoned attacker. I can tell you the things. Um, they had very deep knowledge about how Ethereum works. They had deep knowledge about how uh, the inverse finance uh Well, we are talking about the Ronin attack uh, first. So, uh, yeah, they definitely had information about how Ethereum works. But more than that, they had information about traditional security systems. Um, so the attack was not really uh, any blockchain or crypto attack. The attack was a very traditional attack uh, where they compromised the validator servers of Ronin. And once the validator servers were compromised, they uh, would be basically able to steal keys uh, from those nodes. And the process of compromising these servers is a very traditional cybersecurity attack vector. It basically is like hacking the server. 
Uh, we we don't currently know how they did that, uh, but was a very traditional method uh, how they got in, probably some leaked keys or something like that. So they definitely had a lot of traditional cybersecurity experience, and uh, they also had some Ethereum experience, given the fact that they were able to uh, connect the dots full of everything. And uh, in Ronin, there were actually like five keys that were compromised. So the four were directly compromised uh, through uh, through server exploit in my opinion like all of these things are basically just my educated guesses uh, Ronin have not confirmed them or confirmed these yet and the fifth key was exploited via it was exploited indirectly so uh, what Ronin did was they gave access to their four validators uh, to use the fifth validators key so once you had the four exploited you could just go through them and use the fifth one's key without like directly exploiting the fifth one uh, and this is basically how the attacker did it four, four servers were directly exploited and the fifth one was indirectly exploited there were total of nine validators so when you have five out of nine keys uh, more than 51% that was the setting in Ronin they were able to basically uh, exploit everything and uh, empty all of the liquidity from Ronin yeah, the, the crazy thing that I can't understand it's apparently took them like six days to notice like i have i'm i'm part of two multi-six and i have um i have them on my phone i can i can watch them on my phone i can't sign anything on my phone but i can watch and it's it's a miracle to me how it can take six uh, days to to notice something like this oh yeah definitely that is hundred uh, percent on running they did not have any proper monitoring or alerting setup uh, this is basically like in the trilemma, they did not spend enough of on security. So they ended up with a system that is useful and works, but is just not secure. Yeah, but the crazy thing is it's Sky Mavis behind. So it's uh, the, the studio of Axie behind who has plenty of, who should have plenty of money. Uh, to 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 secure all these things, right? Oh yeah, definitely. At the end of the day, the profit one makes is revenue minus their cost. So for some reason, for some greed or some mismanagement, people, uh, even though they are making good profits, try to even maximize their profits more by cutting down costs. And when you cut down costs, this is what you get. I'm it's I'm still speechless. It's so crazy. Um, and also, I I think on Bloomberg, I read actually that is now the seventh attack on a bridge within like a little over a year like the last one was basically just a month ago the wormhole attack which was 300 million instead of 600 million but so now it kind of happened so often it's it's really really scary yeah definitely bridge attacks are the new flash known attack so every hack you see in this place is a bridge attack these days yeah, and apparently um, there are more than $21 billion locked on Ethereum bridges. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe, do you think this this could happen also on, on Polygon or what's what's your take? Should we not use, use bridges anymore or, or like, what do, you, what do you think of all of this? Uh, so, no, the chances of this happening on Polygon are non-existent and the reasons are twofold. Uh, one is if 
like Polygon has over 100 validators. So the attacker would have to um, exploit over 50 validators if they want to pull off something like this, which is very unlikely to happen for two reasons. One is uh, 50 is a much larger number than four. Uh, and the second reason is uh, the validators in Polygon are decentralized in the sense that everyone is running their own setup, their own settings. Uh, they are securing the servers by their own uh, versus in Ronin's case, uh, they had the same setup for all four validators. So uh, the attacker only technically had to find one attack vector and using the same, they exploited all four validators. But when you have a decentralized system like Polygon, the attacker would have to find like 50 attack vectors in 50 different uh, servers to do anything like this. Uh, and like we also have proper monitoring and alerting setup and we do recommend all of our validators to do the same. So if uh, the attacker tries to do something like this, uh, as soon as they'll uh, get hold of like maybe one or two validators, the teams will get notified, alarms will go off and uh, other validators will be uh, either, depending on the situation, we can ask the validators to uh, review their system, take it offline for maintenance if need be, but we can definitely react much faster than Ronin did. The second uh, coin uh, second side of this coin is basically uh, polygons multisig uh, right now the bridge or bridge contract is upgradable with a 5 by 9 multisig uh, but the thing is the keys of the multisigs are in offline hardware wallets like ledger so any attack vector like in uh, online hacking of a server it's just not possible uh, on those uh, they are just not connected with the internet so that's uh, completely out of the picture yeah, that's uh, that's very uh, that's great to know because it's. Do, do you know by by coincidence how how much is on on the Polygon chain? Um, it should be around five billion, but that's a very rough estimate. I've not kept track of the number. Crazy, crazy, crazy! Yeah, but it's it's uh, good to know that you are using so many uh, steps to to prevent such an attack and also to like. To, because I think the problem was really that there were a few things where they took shortcuts, not one thing, but a few things. And and the, all of this played into the hands of the attackers. And it's it's certainly good to know that uh, you're, you're taking uh, measures for all of these shortcuts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Ron attack was not just like one simple attack vector. It was uh, the attacker basically staggered or uh, did multiple things, exploited multiple things one by one. And uh, then only they were able to pull off this attack. Uh, with Polygon, yeah, you're right. We are making sure that we don't fall into any of these traps. And Polygon is like has always uh, cared about security. And now after like bringing me in, I'm building an internal team of over 20 security engineers. And uh, moving forward, we'll be spending even more of our resources and time on security. Yeah, this is this is uh, definitely great to know. But I mean, what's your take? Because I think this industry for me, it's so staggering because like yesterday I read, for instance, you have like roughly 300 million people into crypto. So 300 million. And then you only have 3 million people who bought a ledger. So 1%, 1 of all people into crypto bought a ledger. I mean, it might be that Trezor, okay, there's another percent, but it won't change anything. Like if you have 1% or 2% who bought like a cold uh, cold storage wallet. I mean, it's it's not a game changer. So I'm I'm just I'm I'm blown away. Yeah. Like it seems so kind of easy. yeah, exactly. And on top of that, I'll add that 
although there are like three million ledgers have been sold, the number of people using ledgers are much lower because most of the devs and heavy users actually own multiple ledgers. I have um, over ten ledgers. Um, so, and I know a bunch of other friends of mine have uh, multiple ledgers for different things as well. So, uh, the actual number of people using ledger devices are is even lower. Yeah, this is it's it's completely crazy. I mean, I can understand it because using ledger, I can never, I I can't um, imagine this going mainstream. To be honest, because you just have to jump through so many loops. But then on the other hand, like like even some crazy DeFi wizards um, that, you know, like there was this one person, I think, from DeFinance, like like super OGs that get hacked and use use hot wallets. I mean, if like, if like uh, some newbies don't use it, okay, you might understand. But if some crazy people that got even some protocols vested, on their hot uh, wallet. I mean, it's it's just mind blowing to me. They agreed. So there, I'll explain you uh, the problem. The underlying problem is uh, the idealistic nature or need of the crypto folks, especially the OG guys, and their lack of understanding of the practical world. So a good example I'll tell you is everyone should uh, like shuffling about not your keys, not your coins, and stuff like that. But you should manage your own keys. You should take the study of your own coins and uh, all of those things. Uh, the problem with that approach is that people, like most of the general population, 99% of the general population has no idea what to do with their, with their keys, how to manage their keys, how to keep their keys secure. So asking them to take control of their keys is actually worse than just telling them to go with a custodian, put your money in Coinbase or something like that. So people like have to understand that you can't really change idealism. You can't have the perfect word. You have to be practical and uh, make recommendations to other people and create best practices accordingly. So like if someone just enters the crypto world and you tell them to get a ledger and uh, note down their key or their mnemonic or something like that, it's like very, very highly likely that they won't really understand what the mnemonic does or whatever and they uh, just get faced and they enter the mnemonic someplace and save. Uh, they'll maybe lose their mnemonic uh, on the street. It will just fly away with wind or they'll put that in their computer and take a picture of it or any any of those scenarios. It's all bad. So it's better th uh, that they use a custodian like, for example, Coinbase. Uh, I'm sure there would be custodians coming up for NFTs as well. Uh, there probably are, although I'm not aware of one. But uh, for newer folks, it's better to just use custodians rather than worry about their own keys and stuff. The same thing sort of happened with traditional markets as well. A good example would be uh, like bonds and coupons. Um, back in the day, all of this used to be paper-based. So whoever like controlled that paper basically could claim the coupon payments in the bonds in the traditional markets. Uh, but people uh, like lost that paper and uh, lost their money way too often. Um, and then custodians basically took over rather than uh, like nowadays, if you buy a bond, you are not going to get a physical coupon or anything like that. A custodian will take care on, uh, take care of all of it. It would, it is all digital. You just see that you have bought this bond in your account or something like that. If we want mainstream adoption, that is how we need to make the crypto experience. 
we can't accept, we can't expect the normal folks to understand and secure their own keys. Yeah, I completely agree because it's like, it's already one thing like to set up a MetaMask. Like if I explain this to my friend, set up a MetaMask already, it's like, I see it's not, it's not as easy. So like, and then coming up with, um, with like a ledger and, and jumping through all the loops and having like a code and a deceit phrase and it also takes ages. It just takes super, super long and it's not handy at all. So I really uh, can't see this uh, going mainstream. Like rather I would think of something like, oh, your, your, your fingerprint or biometric or something, your, your eyes or something. But Ledger, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, great. I agree with you on that. And so, so do I mean for for those who use a cold a star um, cold wallet? What would you advise? Because I, I think I mean at the end of the day, like if you have this paper and have written down your your seed phrase, what do you do? Like do you? You know, the, the thing is really, um, like, do, do you make a photo? Obviously not. Do you know, do you start in a bank safe or so, you know? So the, the thing is, it's not as easy. There, there are some, some uh, problems that come afterwards still that you don't lose it or don't give it away. So it doesn't, it doesn't really solve everything at all. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, with that, the first thing secure is your mnemonic key the first thing people need to learn who are using cold wallets is to never ever share their mnemonic key doesn't matter if the other party is the support of coinbase support of metamask support of anything never ever share your key with anyone even if the website is trusted even if the person is trusted just don't share it now once people understand that then we'll talk about how to actually keep your keys secure so uh, the ideally you just write it down on a paper and then secure it this is the first level of security uh, digitally people can put it uh, parts of it in let's say their password manager and all but uh, i've seen like a lot of people leaving their password managers unlocked without passwords um, and stuff like that so it's uh, i feel like that's not as secure and uh, it requires more careful uh, like planning and understanding of how to digitally keep any secret secure so we'll just talk about keeping the secret secure physically in the physical terms the easiest solution which i recommend for beginners and those who don't really have a lot of exposure in crypto don't hold a lot of crypto is to just write it down on a piece of paper the 24 word long mnemonic write it down on a paper and put that paper in a secure place ideally you will put it in a place different than where your ledger is so just in case something happens to that place you still have uh, access to either your ledger or your keys uh, this is the base version. Now, if you take a step above, uh, let's say you hold a significant amount of crypto or you have significant responsibilities on that ledger, uh, then what you can do is uh, break your mnemonic in sets of 16 words. So you basically, uh, on the first sheet of paper, you write down uh, mnemonic words 1 to 16. On the second sheet of paper, you write down words 8 to 24. And on the third sheet, uh, you basically write down words from 16 and wrap it, wrap it back from 24 to 8. So 16 to 24 plus 1 to 8. Uh, so this implies like none of the tingle sheets have all of the mnemonic. But if you have any of the two sheets, uh, you can get the full mnemonic. 
Um, so this is basically a two by three multisig. And now you keep these three sheets in different places. Uh, maybe one at your home, one at your bank account, one at your parents or relatives or anything like that. Just pick three different places. Ideally, don't tell anyone where these three places are apart from maybe your SO or wherever you want to have like access to these keys. Um, this way, even if like someone gets into one of your places, gets one of your keys, they won't get the full mnemonic. And uh, similarly, if you if the place burns down, for example, you lose uh, one of the papers, you'll still be able to get the whole key via the two other uh, mnemonics you have. And this, I feel like, is the um, sort of ideal solution for 99.9% of the uh, ledger users. Uh, there might be like 0.1% people who want to go a step beyond, but that's a very uh, like boutique solution or custom dip, depending on their needs. Wow. I mean, I, I do love the solution, but I still think it's, I can't imagine uh, lots of people having the discipline uh, to do this. And then also, like, what do you do if you have 10 letters, you know? Yes. Yeah, so it's like, it's, it's, I think it's like trying to solve one problem, but uh, you're creating like another problem, you know? So it's, it's really not that easy. So exactly. I have like my keys hidden in 60 different places. I have to create a list or like remember where keys are. Um, but Anyway, like even with 10 ledgers, the thing is the, your like ledgers, which have real money or real responsibilities, those might be like two or three at maximum. The rest are uh, maybe a ledger for aping, uh, where you just play around with money you expect to get rugged, uh, a ledger for uh, like shady websites or where you don't really uh, trust the website and all, a ledger for privacy and stuff like that. So... Um, a ledger for testing, obviously, as a dev, like oftentimes I'm installing custom apps on my ledgers and stuff like that. So um, it's not like I have to very heavily guard all of my keys. Uh, some of the keys I don't even care about. The ones I use for development and testing, uh, I don't even take backups for those because um, I anyway constantly keep res resetting them. The keys I have to secure have various different levels of security. I've uh, divided the keys in bits. Uh, not even uh, like I've spread them across different physical locations and digital locations. Um, so yeah, the three locations don't necessarily need to be physical. They can also be digital. Okay. Okay. Duly noted. But uh, yeah, it's still crazy. And you think basically the solution to this is is going forward um, to have custodial wallets for NFTs, the same as you have custodial wallets for crypto. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is how the mainstream will come in because even now, like if you look at crypto and if you go to the general public, ask them how many people hold their Ethereum on Coinbase and how many people hold their Ethereum on Ledger, uh, you'll get the answer which is more famous and more easy to use. But but isn't isn't it then the case that you have just one point of failure? I mean, even if you outsource it, okay, then you don't mess it up yourself because you don't lose the keys or click on something uh, by by like click on something wrong. But then you have one point of failure that I don't know somebody hacks the. The, the the platform that uh, has like the custodial, all the custodial ones. Yeah, exactly. I understand your concern. So there you have to understand that if you put it on Coinbase, uh, yeah, Coinbase is the single point of failure. If you do self-custody, then you are the single point of failure. So you have to make the call that uh, are you safer than Coinbase as a single point of failure or is Coinbase uh, safer than you? 
so for people who understand the crypto world uh, definitely they should be uh, using ledgers and self custody but those people will not be asking advice here should they buy a ledger or should they not they already know the answer the people who don't know the answer uh, for them it's better that they let coinbase handle it because i trust coinbase more than those people yeah this is uh, i think this is a really good way forward yeah i completely agree but i think right now as you said i mean are there any custodial wallet solutions for nfts i i don't think so so you have not come across any Uh, major ones i've seen some pitch decks but uh you have not seen any major player entering that space yet which is strange no because this would definitely be a niche yeah definitely it would be bet yeah it's the next unicorn idea anyone who is listening just start a company <laughs> okay anyone yeah absolutely absolutely um yes yeah, so um a few things that i also wanted to ask let's see and by the way i think we are opening up the stage in a few minutes so if you guys have questions you can already raise your hand um so yeah i saw one of your tweets was um basically that the the crypto trilemma can't be solved it can only be optimized which i found quite interesting because it shows us how like i don't know that that um shows us like the level of hope we should have <laughs> Yeah, basically, like well, I gave a talk about this on at ETH Dubai a couple of days ago. So if anyone wants to get into detail, they can watch the video. But the summary is the mathematical proof there is that the in a trilemma, it's not a check mark that you can just check off and say uh, it is solved. It's really a scale. So if you talk about security, it's not a check mark that something is secure or something is not secure. There is nothing as hundred percent security. it's always a scale something might be very uh, less secure very insecure or something will be uh, quite uh, like hardened and very secure uh, but you can never like nothing can be 100% it's like a scale from 0 to 100% similar with your risk uh, you can never have zero risk uh, it's always a scale either you are taking very huge risks jumping off jumping from like 10th floor of a building without parachute uh, or anything like that that's a very big risk or jumping from let's say two stairs uh, without a parachute that's a, a relatively smaller risk but still a risk even if you are just walking there is risk that you will fall off so um there is always risk um so it's not a check mark you can just check that here has solved the risk problem um it's always a scale and similarly for anything else it's all in real life everything is a scale of uh, values uh, nothing is a check mark that you can just check off so if anyone tells you they have uh, solved a trilemma uh, they just haven't by definition trilemma is the correlation between three different things and um if you move one thing the other two things will be affected so um it by definition is a moving scale of things not a check mark that you can just check off this is this is a very interesting approach because it really shows okay you can optimize it but you you really have there there are always these trade offs between these uh, three different priorities and then depending on what is like the the most important for you you have to optimize according to this value but you can't optimize everything to to an equal degree yeah exactly coming back to the example of jumping from places so if the there the relationship it is between the excitement slash adrenaline that you will have versus uh, the height you will be jumping from which will affect uh, the chances you will get hurt or die or whatever 
So there is a, an ideal value you can take. Uh, for some people, that might be like uh, 10 feet or something like that. You can jump from 10 feet and walk away uh, without much injury and maybe have a lot of fun while doing it. But if you go any higher, sure, you'll get more adrenaline, but then it's not worth it because uh, that might be the last that you jump from any place. And if you go any lower, then sure, you'll be safe, but you might not get any fun out of it. So you have to find that um, ideal value and this ideal value will obviously be different for different people some are very athletic while others are not so the same applies to products as well uh, every product has to find their ideal balance yeah this is uh, definitely a very interesting take and I'm, I'm wondering um because you've been in the industry so long like what do you what do you observe what are like the, how much did it change? Because I think at the beginning you said, oh, you know, the, the, a few people like the OGs or whatnot, they are very um, idealistic about the space. And now new folks coming in and this might change a bit or the space might, might need to adapt a bit. So what do you think? What, what are the trends and what, what do you observe? And also, when did you get into crypto? Uh, with me, I got into crypto in like uh, 2014. Uh, so I was doing traditional security, app security uh, and pen testing before that. Uh, got into crypto via Monero. And uh, yeah, I've been in this space uh, for a long while. Uh, what was the first question that you asked? Yes, yeah, so, so what do you think, how did the industry change? Like from, from when you started and you came into it to like now, because it seems, you know, it's kind of a meme. Oh, there's another rug pull. It's like every day there is a rug pull, but people take it for granted because it, it's just kind of part of the game. And I, I don't know any industry where you're like, oh, you got rugged again, da, 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 you know? So it's it's kind of, I don't know, was this always like this that you got rocked or is it is it just like part of the crypto thing or? Yeah, so with that, like over time, the community has sort of normalized in the sense that back in uh, like before the 2017 bull cycle, the only people you will see in the space were like uh, people who were very deeply involved in crypto. They really understood the tech. Um, and uh, like th those community like were basically better to apply these idealistic rules that uh, not your keys, not your coins and stuff like that because they actually understood the tech. But once the bull cycle started, a lot of retail market and the normal people started coming in and those people don't care and don't understand about how the technology works. Um, so pulling them uh, for the attackers is much easier. And that's when, like, we started all of these rug pulls and attacks and all uh, started happening in the bull cycles. Uh, when the bear hit, um, again, the normal people really st uh, stopped giving attention to this space. So the attacks were relatively low. And when the uh, bull cycle started again in 2020, uh, the attacks came back uh, as the price went up. People, new and newer people started coming into the space. Then NFT happened and it brought in a lot of uh, even newer folks, which did not really understand or don't need to understand the technology, but they are using the tech. And the attackers basically exploited this gap of information where the users are not aware about the pitfalls of the technology uh, to basically uh, steal keys, coins, NFTs and all of that. Um, so that was one uh, thing that has changed over time in terms of the uh, security scene. Uh, the 
things we had to secure uh, back in the days were really less focused on the people, more focused on the product. Uh, but nowadays, I feel like uh, it's more important to educate the users uh, rather than, uh, I mean, obviously securing your product is important, uh, has always been important, but now educating the people really needs to get more attention and uh, we, like, doesn't matter how secure your product is, if your users don't know how to use it, they'll end up hurting you. So, um, yeah, uh, definitely need to educate more people. Yeah, this is, this is a very good point and... Um, I think this is super important because there is so much uh, social engineering that's going on. Like on a daily basis, Discord gets hacked. Like some Discord, like even of like big uh, PFP projects, I think of Doodle, of Bot Apes, they got hacked. I think from of Doodle even twice. So um, and and in, in most cases, it's really. Uh, um, it's it's more likely a social engineering kind of thing instead of uh, like a real hack, if you will. So yeah, in the recent string of hacks that happened on the Discord servers, it was actually a more traditional hack. So um, there were some plugins uh, being used by these Discord servers, uh, the ones you see for CAPTCHA and all when you join. Um, so these plugins were the uh, were actually exploited, and then the attacker got access to the server through these uh, plugins. So it was a more traditional attack. But you are right; there have been a lot more like social engineering attacks these days than uh, traditional attacks. Yeah, and also, I mean, like I, I think I get up on a daily level. I get some messages on on Discord. <laughs> oh, there is this hack and this mint on a daily level. Like, I, it's it's incredible. So on a daily level, people basically want to rock for me. I've never seen anything like this. So I say, I mean, you know, I'm now used to it. Oh, when they say, oh, there is the the Carafaro mint, and and you you know, it's it's just like a fake site and whatnot. But I, I really think for, for newbies that, that might think, oh, you know, I, I missed the real one or I missed this one and this is uh, another one where I can maybe mint and I don't know, get rich quick or something, you know. I think really education must be under, under must be, uh, must be everywhere really to, to prevent those things. Yep. So uh, on that uh, pro tip is to just disable Discord DMs from non-friends. Uh, nothing good ever comes out from random people DMing you on Discord. Just um, ask the public to use uh, Twitter or ideally email or something like that. Yeah, I I think I I mean it seems only people that are on the same server now can DM me. But yeah, maybe I have to to go over it again and and disable everybody that's not like a friend because it it's really crazy. And then also what I find fascinating, it seems like some of these hackers they are really young. Like sometimes then I mean it happened in the in the past. It's it's kind of mind blowing that they, they hacked something and then they went into Twitter spaces and explained everyone how they hacked it. And there was one Twitter space where the mom of this like kid came in. Like, it's just like, it's just I've never seen anything like this, you know? Like when you think of, of like back in the days when we had like Wall Street or whatnot, you know? But now it's, it's, it's I don't know, it's very, it's very different. Like the, the whole, the whole uh, yeah, I don't know, target group and, and, and people that, uh, hack, are hacking. You agree. So there, um, I agree with you. Like 
in general, the attackers who are or hackers are, that are doing social engineering attacks um, that are younger in age versus the people who are doing traditional attacks like the Ronin hack, uh, those tend to be uh, much older, much experienced people. Um, it's mainly because the social engineering attacks are, um, you need less technical skills. You need uh, less, uh, basically less experience. Um, so it's the newer people who get into the space, they just go for the uh, newer people, newer attackers or whatever. They just go for the lower, uh, lowest hanging fruit, which are the social engineering attacks. And as people get more experience, as even the hackers or attackers get more experience, they get bored of social engineering and uh, then they want a real challenge. They want to uh, break into a product at a more technical level rather than just playing fool of innocent people. Okay, this is good to know, but it's 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 completely crazy. And and there's one one person from the Pachi Penguin community called Moose, and Moose once shared because he had somebody who wanted uh, who wanted to hack him, and then Moose, it's it's very cute actually. Moose started to talk with him and said, "Oh, why do you want to hack me? You know, you should actually use your time and do something good." And then he started with this kid. I uh, started to talk with this kid, and then this kid actually change and then um then uh didn't didn't do the hack and and um i think he even changed his profile pic into something genuine and then a really uh, a change into some some genuine uh, things instead of hacking random people yeah that's a good story and uh i think that makes us these kids really need some guidance uh to tell them what is right what is wrong right now they're just a lot of kids don't really understand uh what wrong they are doing it's just like fun for them a thrilling experience yeah i i guess fun experience and also i guess i don't know if you're a decent or like an maybe even an average checker or whatnot it, it might be a good business right because you have so many it's a nice and industry and you have so many people so i guess maybe i don't know even one out of ten might be i think might be the success rate would be my educated guess yeah, definitely. There is a monetary aspect as well, but in most cases, that's not, uh, I found that's not the like, leading uh, goal of the, the, the attackers who are doing good. Um, obviously, there are a bunch of uh, like scammers who uh, just try low effort attacks. Uh, yeah, they are really trying to maximize value, uh, but the people who are going for the bigger fishes and doing more involved attacks, uh, in my experience, uh, they tend to be more motivated uh, to do it as a challenge uh, rather than for the money itself. Wow, this is this is interesting. Yeah, I mean, this space never seems to to surprises me because also in the past there were hackers that returned the money. Like, I mean, yeah. it's like, I've never, you know, it's like if somebody, um, I don't know, like people normally that steal like a car or like rob a bank, they would never return the car or would never return the money they steal in a bank. Yet like in this, in this um, space, it's, it's almost like a gamification, right? Like, oh, what can I, like, what can I hack? Um, what can I do? And and it's it's more, yeah, as you said, maybe it's more like the challenge and the fun part than anything else. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool. A bunch of hackers just do it for fun and then they just uh, refund everyone. Uh, there is also a subset of people who have refunded the money or uh, who have actually refunded it because 
Um, they got caught or they left a clue, which would have led to the arrest or something like that. And they just got scared. Um, so there are some cases that I know where they have to return the money, uh, like because they were basically sloppy in the attack. But yeah, you're right. Most of the things are just doing it for fun slash thrill. They don't really want to uh, harm other people. They don't really fully understand what has happened. And they like uh, when they when the reality hits them, uh, when they realize that they have actually pulled it off, they just report the money. Uh, a good example of like such a person would be probably the parody actor, uh, the infamous uh, person who posted uh, this like on GitHub that. So I accidentally killed it, and what he meant was he accidentally knocked uh, billions of dollars worth of ETH and other assets from the parity, uh, parity's multi-set. Uh, he basically killed the multi-set. In this case, the attacker was not really expecting the multi-set to just die. Uh, he was just like trying out different things, being curious. Uh, sure, it was their fault to actually do it on a live system, but I feel like they were just curious and it just happened and they didn't know what to do after that. This is absolutely crazy. <laughs> this is unreal. It's it's crazy. And also, I'm really surprised there is not a Netflix about this yet. <laughs> I don't know, maybe because it, it's just too complex or too difficult to, because, you know, with the voice feedbacks, it was kind of, you could film somebody. I, I don't know, it was maybe more more obvious, uh, but but now, I don't know, with all these hackers and some of them might be kids, I don't know, it's it's maybe more difficult and also technically more difficult. Yeah, I think eventually on Netflix documentary or something right now, and Netflix recently, I think just last week, uh, the documentary on Quadra Indosians, uh, and the CEO that basically died or allegedly died in India. Um, so that's the first main like crypto conspiracy theory related documentary. And uh, if it gets much attention, which I hope it does, it's a nice one. Uh, then sure Netflix would take more uh, things related to crypto. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, I mean, the, the funny thing is actually whenever um, the, the mainstream media um, speaks about crypto it's basically when there is a hack <laughs> so, so it's like it seems at least it seems this part of, of crypto seems to excite people so yeah i would i would really expect some some kind of netflix or whatever about it at some point yeah any publicity is good publicity oh you think you think because <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not so sure about it because I, I think it's so difficult. Like when we are on Twitter the whole time, like I, I really think we are late and everybody, uh, I don't know, knows knows everything and like all the cool DeFi things and yield farming and whatnot. But then when you go outside of Twitter and speak with like your friends, I, I don't know. And then all they say is like, oh, crypto is a scammer thing because this is what they read. I don't, I don't know. I would love, I would love for the media to, I don't know, to to be less biased. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it would obviously be better if they keep their bias away. Uh, but uh, I, I still think like even if they keep talking shit about it, as long as they're talking, as long as they're talking, uh, the message is going through. People can make up their own opinions. 
um, about crypto as long as they have heard that something like crypto exists. So uh, I would rather have the media talk negative things rather than just not talk about it. Oh, this is a very good point. Yeah, I think you're, you're right on this. So um, I think we are kind of on the one hour mark. I'm just looking if there are any questions um, from the audience. Um, and also I wanted to ask, because obviously, I mean, it's so crazy, everything that happened like in the last few days. I mean, yesterday it was announced that Luca Nets finally sealed the deal and now bought the Pachi Penguins. So, um, yeah, coming back to our initial topic, how happy are you from like a scale one to 10? Um, so I'm like, I'd say eight. Um, I'm really happy that this happened. Uh, I'll tell you like my thoughts. And so in my opinion, the current uh, like owners of Pudgy Penguin weren't really doing a very good job. And uh, the main gripe of, the, of my team was uh, they hatched rods in eggs. <laughs> made no sense. Uh, so that was like the moment I thought, I mean, like the current owners are not really doing a good job. Uh, with Luca, uh, I've honestly not really followed his journey a lot, but uh, I looked at his profile and what he is doing when the news came out. And, uh, seems like a really interesting personality. I think he will take good care of Pudgy Penguins. Uh, Pudgy Penguins have already killed, so there's uh, not much he has to do anyway. Oh, I absolutely love this reply. Absolutely love, love, love this reply. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, the rocks and eggs, I mean, okay, it was kind of odd to say the least, but now it became a meme. So now I think it became so odd that it's now a current. Like who would put, um, who would put this into eggs? Like nobody. So I think. I don't know. I think it's so funny, all the memes around it. So I would actually not want to miss it at this stage, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. And I mean, with regards to the cuteness of Pachi Penguins, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I can't wait. I mean, obviously, I'm already happy with the cuteness it provides me on the daily basis but uh, let's see what what happens now and I mean now because all my Twitter feed is full of patchy penguins and it really I don't know it's it's really really sweet and it uh, cheers me up so I'm very excited for the future yeah definitely I would love to see more pudgy penguins on my timeline rather than uh, laser eyes any day <laughs> So, okay, guys, you heard it. So please all follow Wooded because he wants to see more Patrick Penguins on the timeline. Please, please give him a follow if you haven't uh, already so he can get acuteness overload on a daily basis. So, yeah, Wooded, I think we, we don't seem to have questions today. Maybe because uh, security is kind of a rather a difficult topic, yeah. I guess. It's a bit scary. Um, so I would say thank you so, so much for, for your time and for answering all my questions and, and going through everything. This was really, really exciting and interesting. And um, yeah, I I can't wait. I'm so, I'm so, I, I don't know. I'm kind of proud now having like Apache Penguin in so high places as you are. So somehow this warms up my heart. So I'm, I'm very excited about your journey and what you're achieving and what you're doing. So yeah, thank you so, so much. And TNTM and yeah, speak very soon. You know what is it was really nice talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so so much.